You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. Matthew 13, uh, verses 52 through 58. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from them, from there. And coming, into, coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wit, this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Uh, we're going to be digging in mostly just in two verses, 51 and 52. And um, we have this interesting word that Jesus uses called trained. So when we think of training and training for a purpose and for a mission that's super important, we think of, I think of, Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs and the intense training that they go through to accomplish their mission. And apparently about a thousand people, a thousand men usually uh, per year, uh, apply and start the training to be Navy SEALs, and about only about 200 or 250 actually complete the training. It's so rigorous and intense, and it's not easy, easy to even qualify for Navy SEAL training, let alone to complete it, and so only about one in four actually make it all the way through and are qualified to be Navy SEALs. Um, just some of the things that I was looking at, uh, just in terms of their training, I felt tired just reading it, and so I took a nap after reading about the training uh, that Navy SEALs go through, because uh, it's so intense. Um, one of the two-month kind of training that precedes the training, some of the qualifications that one has to meet is be able to swim a thousand yards in under 20 minutes, do 70 push-ups in two minutes, 10 pull-ups in two minutes, 60 curl-ups in two minutes, and a four-mile run in full boots and pants in under 31 minutes. And so that's just sort of like the baseline. That's sort of the starting point to even get into the training. And then uh, there's Hell Week which is a five-and-a-half-day period where you get no more than four hours of sleep total for the whole week and ending up, end up running more than 200 miles in that time. Some of you are in the military and understand that it's uh, uh, the intensity of what this training is like, and hopefully I'm being accurate in this. Well, the thing that struck me was the seven weeks of combat dive training. Uh, so at one point, they have to do drown-proofing where they have to swim with their hands and feet tied. They have to bob for five minutes with their hands and feet tied, float for five minutes, then swim 100 meters, then bob two, for two more minutes, uh, several forward and backward flips, swim to the bottom of a 10-foot pool to retrieve an object with their teeth, and then surface and bob five more times. So just the intensity of like what they have to go through, medical training, close combat training, torture training, etc., etc., because the purpose of their mission and what is required of them is so intense um, and I assume that probably part of this training in some ways is probably to thin the herd a little bit, uh, to, to, to find those that are really intense, those that are really in. They say that this training is 90% mental. Like it just takes a resolve 
to push through. It sounds like maybe more than 10% physical to me, but that sense of, of, of being able to be all in and with the mental intensity to be able to, uh, to, to accomplish this. I think it, in some sense it thins the crowd only to those who are really seriously devoted to this thing. I think also the training is to develop the right kind of mindset. Do you have the mental resolve and do you have the awareness of what you might face as a Navy SEAL? That bobbing in the water probably sounds kind of ridiculous and over the top, but you might need that. You might need that kind of training at some point. And ultimately, it is to equip those SEALs for what's needed to accomplish their mission. So training is super important. And and the level of training matches the level of intensity and the importance of the mission. And we have this interesting statement that Jesus says in verse 52. Look at Matthew 13, 51 and 52. He's just gotten done telling these parables of the kingdom to sort of calibrate his, at the expectations of his followers. And we have this interesting where he says, have you understood all of these things? This is what he's saying to his disciples in the house. They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And we get this indication as Jesus closes this section of teaching on parables that these parables were designed to be training. They were designed to be training. And, uh, and it wasn't a physical training in this sense, but it was a spiritual training. These were spiritual truths that are spiritually discerned. And in order to be uh, an agent of the kingdom, one must understand these things. He says, have you understood these things? They said yes. And then he gives the indication, therefore... If you are understanding these truths and you're committing yourself to them as the most important thing, that is what is equipping you for the work that I have for you to do. Have you understood all these things? So as we've gone through Matthew, um, Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom. He's come, he's introduced this kingdom. He taught about the kingdom, the values of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom in Matthews 5 through 7. And then uh, as he's doing all of these miracles, he then comes to his second major speech where he does this missional discourse where he sends his disciples off and gives them some equipping to go and share the message locally. And then they gather back up. And then we have this fifth speech where the crowds are starting to gather and it's a mixed bag. Some people are with him. Some people are not. Some people are just sort of along for the ride. This is just a fun thing to do. And so there's this, it's kind of like those thousand people who might think they'd be interested in being a Navy SEAL, and so they're going to kind of test it out, and Jesus starts to do the training, which is these parables, and these parables are meant to divide. They're meant to, um, to both reveal and conceal spiritual truth, and those who get it are going to continue, and those who don't are going to be like, never mind, this is too hard, this is not, this is not what I was looking for, I'm not interested, and so Jesus' parables serve as a sort of kingdom training, and those who get it will pers- persist and be equipped for the mission that God has given them to do. We had four parables where Jesus gives just to the masses. He goes out on this boat, and he's speaking to this big crowd, and he gives four parables to the crowds. One is the parable of the four soils, where he talks about the kingdom being like seed that's scattered everywhere, and there's going to be four different kinds of responses. Only one in four actually work out, I guess kind of like the Navy SEALs. Only about one in four will actually receive this message and rightly reproduce it, rightly be trained for their job within the kingdom. And then he tells another parable about the wheat and the tares, where uh, the good seed is going to find soil, it's going to find good soil, and then the, but there's going to be an enemy that's going to sow counterfeits. It's going to look like the kingdom, but there's going to be sort of counterfeit kingdoms. There's counterfeit messiahs and counterfeit 
messages. And we're not supposed to go tear that up. We're just supposed to be faithful. God will sort that out in the end. And then we've got these two smaller parables, one of the mustard seed that starts so small and insignificant but grows into this great tree and this little tiny leaven that's going to go everywhere. And really the main point of those is that the kingdom, everybody needs to know that the kingdom is not going to be what you expect. It's going to be small, but it's going to work. It's going to be a mixed bag of responses. It's going to have counterfeits, but don't worry about that. The king has a plan. And it's going to be like a little mustard seed that doesn't look like it's worth very much. You can't see it working, and yet it's going to work all the way through the whole loaf. And that's really the message that he gives to the whole crowds. Then he comes into this house, and he gives four more parables. And we're looking at the fourth one here. But he, he gathers up his disciples. He explains the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Um, so they're, they're persistent. That's what, that's what kind of sets these disciples apart from the crowd is that they persist. They persevere. That when Jesus teaches something... They press in. They want to understand. And that's one of the things that sort of marks those who are true kingdom citizens versus those that are just along for the ride is the sense of, I need to understand this. I need to know what you're talking about. And so twice, they've asked Jesus to explain the parables. So they're in this house. He's explaining the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then he gives them two more, three more parables. Uh, one is the parable of the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl of great price, which both give the same thing as like this the stakes are really high. If you receive this kingdom, it is the most glorious, joyous. This is an all-in proposition, and it is amazing. The kingdom is of infinite value. And then we get this parable of the net, which talks about the kingdom of God gathering all kinds of people, and then there's this sorting of good fish and bad fish. And Jesus ends that parable with, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for those that, don't, that aren't part of the kingdom. And so as Jesus has got his people, his, his disciples huddled around these Last parables really ratchet up how important this kingdom is. It is worth everything if you get it, and it is going to cost you everything. It's going to be miserable if you don't get the kingdom. And then he has this very solemn statement. He says, have you understood all these things? Do you realize the stakes of the kingdom? To be in is glorious and eternal joy forever. To be out, to be out of the kingdom is miserable, horrible separation, suffering, like a fiery furnace. Do you understand the stakes? And it's like this Navy SEAL training, like, do you understand the stakes of what is going on, of what is at stake? And then they say yes. And I wonder, in some ways, we've, we've kind of wondered, as you read the rest of the gospel, you wonder how much they really get. But Jesus seems satisfied with, satisfied with their question, with their answer here. They've been willing to ask questions when they don't understand. So after giving these parables, they sort of, I think, feel the weightiness of the kingdom of like, oh, this is way different than we thought. This is smaller, but it's going to work. And the stakes are really high, both pro and against. If you're in the kingdom, it's glorious. If you're out and nobody gets to dodge it, like you're, you're either going to be in the kingdom and receive joy or you're going to be out of the kingdom. There's no third category. And so they, they get it. And so there's this solemn yes. And then Jesus affirms that and he says this. He said to them, therefore... And I think we get the intention of the parables. Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And we get this indication that these parables were for training. They were for training. In some sense, where they were to divide the crowd between who's in and who's out. No more squishy middle. You're either in the kingdom or you're out. And the stakes are super high. And also, for those of you that are in, you need to develop the right mindset. You need to understand what kind of kingdom I'm doing what kind of kingdom I'm bringing, and you need to have a calm confidence. You need to have this intensity that it matters. 
but you also have this calm, cool, collected understanding that it is going to be small. It isn't going to look like it's winning, but it's going to work out, so be confident. The stakes are high, but be confident. Don't get rattled. Don't flip out. It's going to be all right, but the stakes are high. And we have, he gives this final parable that kind of mixes two things together, this scribe language, this trained scribe, and this master of a house. And I think it's up, maybe up on the screen here. So here we go. Very simple, two-part outline here. The ordinary kingdom citizen is like a trained scribe and a generous host. Trained scribe and a generous host. These two verses, really this one verse, verse 52, says if you get it, if you understand these things, you really get what's at stake, here is your job description as a kingdom citizen. If, if you're getting it, if you're pressing in, you're understanding these things, you're like, I'm getting it, I'm understanding what the kingdom is, and it's beautiful to me, and I want to be in. He says, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Now, in some sense, this is really simple, and this is also really deep at the same time. So a trained scribe, it's interesting that Jesus would say that being a kingdom citizen is like being a scribe. Not a warrior, not a king, not a powerful political player, a scribe, a scribe. And what a scribe does, uh, we, we see Jesus having a lot of interactions with the Jewish scribes quite a bit, but a scribe, his job is to take the text, God's word, on papyrus or a skin or whatever, and he is to focus and study it so closely so that then he can take it and he can copy it. That's the basic elemental job of the scribe. Because these documents don't last very long. Papyrus, they don't have computer files. They don't have books. They have these skins that wear out. And they have these papyrus that dissolves and breaks up. And so you have to consistently making, be making copies of things if you want to preserve those words. And so these scribes would preserve and they would dedicate themselves to carefully, meticulously seeing all of the details of God's word and then copying them faithfully over here. They're reproducing it. They're kind of like that third soil that when the word hits it, it multiplies, right? So the scribe's job was to take God's word and take it from here and faithfully bring it over here, right? Make copies of it so that more people can enjoy it. Now, the scribes would get so, they would spend so much time in the text, they would spend so much time reading it that they were often seen as experts in the law. In fact, that's what we see is they're often called uh, teachers of the law because they would spend so much time in their Bible, so much time copying it that they would have parts of it memorized. They would be thinking about these things. And so they would be some of the people that you would go to to get instruction about what God requires of people and what his salvation story is and how he's worked in the past. So the scribes would, be, would have this, this, um, this respected position as, as people who know God's word. And so it's interesting that Jesus here says that the kingdom citizen is like a scribe. You just take God's word from here and move it to here faithfully, right? You don't have to get creative. don't have to get fancy. You can, as long as you're faithful, faithful to bring it from here to there. So these parables, all of these teaching is to get Jesus' followers to the point to where they have such a, a love for God's word and they have the skill and ability to accurately take it from here to here, Right? And he says, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, and that word trained is the verb form of the word disciple. It's the verb form of disciple. So this means everybody, because the Bible calls all who, put, who trust in him his disciples, right? Go and make disciples. We're going to look at that text in just a little bit. 
go and make disciples. So I don't think that this is just the elite level people. He's talking specifically to the apostles. They're to be the proclaimers, the spreaders of God's word. But I think this applies to anyone who's a kingdom citizen. Should be a word-centered person who gives themselves to their Bibles and is faithfully, accurately copying it for others, right? That they are meant to be scribes that are discipled in the kingdom. And so I think every ordinary Christian kingdom citizen is to be like a trained scribe, a disciple who has studied carefully the works and ways of God so that they can faithfully copy it, distribute it, send it around the world. Um, We also see that the ordinary kingdom citizen is not just to be a trained scribe faithfully and accurately bringing the word from here to there, but a generous host. We have this second part of the parable where Jesus sort of switches the metaphor from a trained scribe who copies God's word and becomes uh, and spreads it around but he's also to be like the master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old now this seems to me to be the master of a house is someone you know the idea here is this is a great house and the master is opening the doors to let people in because he has got wonders and treasures in this house he's got a pantry full of supplies he's got He's got an attic full of resources. And so I think it's the idea of this generous host is inviting people in and opening up the fridge, opening up the pantry. Like whatever he has, he's bringing out these glorious treasures, these great truths, these awesome um, resources. And so this is the man who's going into the pantry and lavishly blessing those who come near to him. And so Uh, every kingdom citizen is not just to be a trained scribe, but also a generous host, fully and thoughtfully unpacking the word from old and new. And so that's the picture. That's where these parables are headed, is that if you're getting it, if you're understanding it, this is the kind of people I want you to be. I want you to be Bible people. I want you to be word people. I want you to be gospel people. And he uses the word trained because it requires effort and energy and involvement. We have to press into this and make time for this. If you're going to be an effective Navy SEAL, you've got to put in the effort and the time and the discipline. And the same is true as the kingdom citizen is marked by discipleship, training in the Word of God. And we have, um, uh, so we're like these kingdom citizens. We are, uh, we are the caretakers of God's house in this sense, this master of a house. Like we get to represent the kingdom. We get to be the ones that invite people into God's house, right? And there's this storehouse of wealth that we love to share with people. I think the word that kind of comes to mind is hospitality, right? This master of the house is so hospitable. He wants to share the treasures that he has in his house. And so he's inviting people in and he's unpacking. He's not storing things away for his own use. He wants to bring them out. He's bringing them out, both old and new things, to share with people The word hospitality actually means love of strangers. So the kingdom citizen is the kind of person that loves outsiders and has so many things that he wants to share with outsiders. He brings them in. He shares his life. He opens himself up to them. He opens his home to them so that he can share the treasures of God's word. The word for treasure here is actually the Greek word thesaurus. So this is a word-based treasure. We get our English word thesaurus from this Greek word thesaurus. Thesaurus. So these are word-based treasures that we invite people in because we have a word to share with them. The kingdom citizen, the disciples, are to be word-centered and they understand how to bring out both old and new. And this has the idea of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
that there are so many old things that God has been doing through the scriptures, so many prophecies in the Old Testament, so many promises. And the kingdom citizen is so familiar with those that he's able to then show how the new covenant, how Jesus and the way he's working in the world connects with the old. It's this story of old to new that our Bibles are telling one story, 66 books, 40 different authors written over 1,500-ish years, and yet it's telling one story. There are prophecies and promises that are all culminating in this king, this King Jesus. And the kingdom citizen is being trained and he's inviting people in because he wants to unpack from old to new the plan of God to save sinners. I love what one pastor wrote. He says, uh, this, concerning this word thesaurus, a thesaurus is a list of words with similar meanings. It's a storehouse of words that we go to um, in, is a thesaurus to find and pick out just the right word for just the right situation. That's the idea of this host is he knows exactly what word to bring out at the right time. He's bringing out treasures new and old. And so he has someone who, 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 who we, he wants to share the message of the kingdom with, and he knows what words to share with them, both old and new. And he knows how to bring these things out. He goes on to say, that's what the master of the house does. That's what a Christian does. The Christian knows God's word and is able to apply God's word to whatever the current situation is. And that means bringing out of his treasure, out of his thesaurus, out of his Bible, treasure. Something new, something old, so that he can be faithful in God's calling. It means that we are able to make decisions and navigate changes in our lives with grace and with wisdom. It means facing a crisis and going through a trial with courage and hope. And, and as Spurgeon says, a Christian is not weary of the old and he's not afraid of the new. Old truth is made new by living experience. New views of truth, if indeed it be truth, are only the old in a fresh light. And so this sense of like our calling and the training of these parables is that we would know how to bring the right word at the right time to the people that we come in contact with. We're like a scribe in that we're faithfully studying God's word and reproducing it. We're trained to do that by Jesus himself. And we're like this generous host that is inviting people to come near. Come near and let me show you the treasures that come with knowing the king and his kingdom. And that's the calling. That's the calling that we have. These don't seem really impressive, right? Like these are not going to make the news. <laughs> the trained scribe, the generous host, is small. It's like that seed, right? It's like a man sowing seed. It's like mustard seed. It's like leaven. And it's working in all these little ways. This is little, faithful, ordinary Christianity. Is this love of our Bibles and being able to bring the right word in the right place in a warm, loving in environment. So this is what we often call biblical theology, is showing that God is telling one story, he's working one redemptive plan from eternity past to eternity future centered in Jesus Christ, the king, the bringer of the kingdom, who's inviting us to join him. This meta-narrative of scripture, Old and New Testament, all of it pointing to Jesus. And so, so the kingdom citizen is in love with their Bible and is being trained to be able to bring out the new and the old together in a warm, loving environment. Come into the house and let us show you the great truths. That is our invitation. That's our desire for the world is come, come, hear, see. We go, we, we, we take the word to people like the scribe and then we also gather them close and unpack it together around the table or in the living room. This idea that the word saturates the kingdom citizen and that we're training. We're training for a bigger job, a more important than, the, than the, the Navy SEALs. We have a more important job, a more serious training, a more important mission than all of that. 
I want to take you to two quick passages. Luke chapter 24. This is one of my favorite passages. If I could go back in time, this would be probably in my top three for sure. Places that I would love to go back. I think I've shared with you that before. But Luke 24, this is Resurrection Sunday. Jesus has died, like he said, uh, at the hands of the scribes, actually, um, and Pharisees and Roman rulers and all this stuff. And he rises again on the third day. And now there's this buzz starting to happen of going, the tomb is empty. There's these ladies that say they saw him. Um, And so there's just sort of this confusion because maybe this resurrection thing that he predicted happened and two guys are walking out of town, out of Jerusalem to Emmaus, about eight miles walk. And they're walking and they're just trying to make sense of what they experienced over the weekend with the death of Jesus. And these rumors that they're hearing that the tomb is empty and apparently Jesus is walking around somewhere and man, this is just mind-blowing and they're talking about it and all of a sudden this strange man starts walking with them. They don't recognize him. And so they begin to talk with him, and this man begins to ask, where have you been? This was like the weirdest, strangest weekend ever, and you don't know? And Jesus just kind of plays along and says, no, tell me what happened. And so they, they recount the story of the weekend, and then Jesus gets to this point as they're walking along where he can't take it anymore, and he says this, verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So you get sort of like, oh, you should have known this, right? You should have known your Bibles. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And then, on this walk, on this hike, Jesus does, beginning with Moses, which just means the first part of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, which means the second half of the New Testament, or Old Testament, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted in them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he just starts walking through and goes, yeah, that seed of the woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent, yeah, that's me. And that one who was promised uh, of Abraham, the promised son, who would be a blessing to all nations, yeah, that's me. And, he just, and that king, that great king David, who uh, at times wasn't so great, but overall pretty great, yeah, he was going to have a son that sits on the throne forever. Yeah, that's me and this prophecy. And he's just unpacking as they're walking all of these Old Testament images and prophecies and pictures. It's me. It's me. It's me. I'm the kingdom. I'm the rescue plan. I am the one that all of history and all of the universe is pointing to. I'm it. And I'm resurrected and I'm here and it's time. And so they just get this massive, what would that be like? The resurrected Jesus preaching himself from the Old Testament while you're hiking to Emmaus. That'd be awesome. I would love that. That's where I would go. I would love to spend that day, that walk with him. And so as they get to the place where they're going, they invite him to come in and he eats with them. And then in verse, he, he then sort of like, it seems like he disappears or leaves quickly or something. In verse 32, they said to each other, did our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened up to us the scriptures? That's the heart of the kingdom citizen. Oh, Jesus is the point of everything, and I'm able to see him in the scriptures. You see, the heart of a disciple, a heart of a kingdom citizen, is loving, treasuring, delighting in Jesus through his word. And Jesus just modeled exactly what he wants his scribes to do, what he wants his teachers to do, what he wants his disciples to do, what he wants us to do, is to know Jesus through his word and be able to unpack it and bring new and old at just the right time, just the right word and just the right place. Now, what I think is awesome is that this is what he's training them for, is to be able to pull together all of this past redemptive history and show how it's fulfilled in Christ and applies to people's lives 
the book of Matthew is exactly that. The book of Matthew, so I, I wonder if Matthew might be chuckling as he's writing down this story of going, this gospel is an evidence of this same thing. Jesus, Matthew, the very first words of Matthew is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, this new thing, this new redemptive person, this culmination is the son of David, the son of Abraham. The very first book, verse of Matthew is bringing both the new and the old together and showing through the, throughout the gospel that he fulfills this promise and he brings this redemptive theme to pass. And so we actually get to see that these disciples actually model this. As you read through the book of Acts, they go and they show how Jesus is the Christ from the Old Testament. And that's, we get the baton, we get to, we get to share in that. We've been filled with God's Spirit so that we can also know Christ through His Word and be the scribes, be the generous hosts that invite people to know Him. Second passage, Matthew 28, 18-20. Look at how this gospel ends. Matthew's actually doing this in his gospel, bringing both old and new together. Um, showing us the glory of Jesus Christ from all of the scriptures, and we get the privilege of continuing that legacy and that job description. This is what all kingdom citizens do. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He's giving his final charge to his disciples, and it's more than just the apostles. There's 120 that are there, and he gives this charge to them before he ascends into heaven and goes, this is it. This is your job description. This is how the kingdom will continue to go forward. Here it is. My parables were training you for this. My time with you is training you for this. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to lead you in this. He's going to continue to train you in this. And here's what he says, verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which is king language. I'm the king and you are my citizens. And I have a commission and a quest for you to spend the rest of your lives pursuing. And it's this. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Same word. Where this is the noun form, that was the verb form of every scribe that's trained for the kingdom. You go train others. Offer them the uh, entrance into the kingdom. Offer them the gospel. And then when they do, when they do become scribes, when they become disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all, to observe that all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. At the essence of the Christian life is teaching both being taught by God's word, continually being trained, and then also being immersed in the scriptures, able to give the right word at the right time so that we might also teach others. It's at the essence of the kingdom. The kingdom is about teaching God's word to people, and we are trained for that mission. I love what another pastor said. He says, what is a Christian? A Christian is a saint set apart. We know that from scripture. A Christian is a member of the body of Christ. A Christian is a new creation. We could say that a Christian is a sojourner or a stranger and even a citizen of heaven. We could say that according to this parable that a Christian is a scribe. A Christian is a student or even an expert in the word of God and the ways of God's kingdom. And a Christian is a scribe in the sense that he or she takes and applies God's word for today's need and for today's demands. A Christian is a scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, a Christian is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And so we get the bottom line of what this series of parables was designed to do in the life of those early disciples, those early apostles. I want you to be like this. And that, by extension, is us. As we carry forth that same apostolic um, commission, that same great commission to be masters of God's word and to spread it 
as far and as widely as we can, with great hospitality, with great joy, with great precision, with great creativity in terms of how we bring this word faithfully to others. That's our call. I've got a video. I don't usually do a lot of videos in our sermons, but this one's so good, and it's, uh, it's a few minutes long, but I think you'll really enjoy it. But just, I want you to see this video as an illustration of what it's like to really treasure God's word and why it's so important that we get it everywhere, why, why this is so central to, to our mission as disciples. So I want to show this video, and um, I hope that it stirs your hearts, and then I'll come up and I'll close out this. Advisory Mike Alpha Delta from Centani to Corpo, now crossing the ridge uh, just above Sela, maintaining 1-2000. There'll be a big party when we land. They'll be dancing and singing, and it'll be pretty amazing. <laughs> Pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. Just blew me out of the water. I thought, Lord, this is how we know that it's you doing something here. And the level of 
Ihm bleibt nah, Amen! And then they handed it off to the older believers and one of the ladies, just spontaneously, I don't think she, they had planned for her to say anything, but she just said, we have taken God's word, we've accepted it, we've put it into our hearts, and now we're going to give it to you young people who need to also take it and accept it and walk with God as he teaches in this Bible. You know, so they handed it off to the younger uh, believers and, uh, you know, the, the crying and the sobbing that took place there was just, it was something totally unexpected to me because I knew they would be happy. But the emotion that came out was just so overwhelming to me. I thought, we have no idea. You know, we have had the Word of God for so long. We have taken it for granted. We've, we, we have resources, we have translations, we have, you know, all these different things. And we don't, we don't cherish it. We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. And these guys were realizing that and saying, God, you've come to us through the Word. The Kimyals always had a love for the word. They had prepared this ark sort of thing for the Bibles to be put in. They know the Word. They can quote the Word. They're very good at memorizing. I mean, we've had one lady that has memorized whole books, and she'll sit there, and as she talks with you, she will, uh, well, it's just like it says in Ephesians, and she'll quote three or four or five verses at a time. And so they love the Word of God, and, and um, you know, just to see them with it.
Nana, I'm young to you, I'm not lamb, see, when Nana Indonesia, you would be babe, Lani, you would be babe, Yali, you would be babe, Nalcha, you would be babe, and I'm not lamb, see, I'm not lamb, see, no, or at Paratahun, so I'm not lamb, see, no book. Tangalan and plus Marit Nanagena, I'm young to Buku Alkitab, Korukun, you book, come, Kim Yalibu, Nundi say, I'm not young to you, eh, Anna Nerigin Mal. Emiung mabo mulatlam sununa nundi yubu rahit samona ana sambonun koma yoko yubu sambane di on bukuak kemelam neri ompat sunun kom ane na korupun yubu anda ot wen ising kempat neri berada ompat sununa abo neri kanga nginyang ulam neyo tanggal enam belas maret ane kena kam yak deya yubu neneke kikip nundi suku kimjal sokowak kikip yung kiyoba nundi kikip dobdi salba yabdi Gigip nundi nang loma gigip debab. Abu kan nundi kangan yang loko lamsil. Pet nak telim na, sum nene. Emi yang nak nayong abu, diplam na. Anu se. Di mana ya ibu nene kelak deb nia se. Di mana ya nene kena. Wene ya deblak. Di mana ya nene kena deblak aku buka sampai pukupak nak orang bela. So, so this is our calling as kingdom citizens, and sometimes we have to get out of our little bubble and see what it's like for the word to go to people, for us to get a sense on what this thing is really all about. This is our call. To be in the kingdom under the King Jesus is to press into the understanding of, of his word, of words about Christ, the words of Jesus, master, and be mastered by them. And so the question that Jesus asks his disciples is, do you understand these things? Do you understand how the kingdom works? It's going to be small. It's going to look insignificant. It's going to look like a minority of people get it. But it will work. It will bear fruit. And it is worth so much. That looked like they were receiving a treasure, didn't it? They were receiving a treasure because they knew what it's like to have the testimony of Jesus Christ in their own language. And they understand they're not going to miss it. They were willing to give everything to find the treasure in the field. And they know the consequences of not having it. But there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for those that don't have the good news of Jesus Christ from his word. So is this not worth orienting your entire life around? For you to orient your life to get this word to other people, to really let it go deep in your own hearts and lives. There's so much we can learn about what Jesus is intending for his disciples from these dear brothers and sisters, these dear saints that we may not meet in this side of heaven, but have received the word and treasure the word, who understand what it means to be in the kingdom and to be scribes of the kingdom, to pass it from one generation to the next, to love it, to cherish it, to memorize it, to be like the scribe trained for the kingdom, and then to send it to all of these different places. This is the call of the kingdom citizen. This is every one of us. This is not just pastors and missionaries. This is all of us that are called to be the trained scribe, the generous host. And we as a church want to be committed. I think I have this on the screen. We are committed to being a church of trained kingdom scribes and generous kingdom hosts.
That's what we're aiming for above all else. We hope that our music and our songs are great and inspiring and moving and emotional and all that stuff, but only to the extent that it equips us as people of the word. Only to the extent that it equips us being trained scribes and generous hosts able to pull out the right word at the right time for each other and for others who don't yet know him. So we're going to have, I think we have Bible reading plans and we have Bibles under the chairs and we preach straight from the text, just verse by verse, just slowly over time, training us, training ourselves. Um, We hope that the messages are encouraging, inspiring, but ultimately they're training. They're training for the kingdom scribe and they're an invitation to join the kingdom. We want to put forth Navy SEAL type effort into understanding the word, being trained and equipped in every way that we can because our mission is so important. The call of Christ is so important. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he has sent us to make disciples of all nations, to take the word everywhere with skill, to be generous and gracious hosts in this church, that when people come in, they're not coming in by accident. And God wants us to winsomely, generously bring them in and bring the right word and the right time with great sensitivity and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and create creativity to, in order that we might know how to draw them into the kingdom um, our, ki- our kids' curriculum comes with a companion home devotional teaching the whole Scripture, teaching how Christ is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. Those are available. We have small groups where we open up our homes, and we try to model this working through the sermon text, having, as some people call, Bible parties, and getting together and enjoying God's work together and just training ourselves and delighting in the Word of God together. We have a teen class that's going to start back up in the fall. We're just walking through the, the, the scriptures showing how they all point to Christ from Moses and Abraham and David and Daniel, all of that. We are committed to be that kind of church. And I would ask you, are you putting forth the kind of naval, Navy SEAL type effort in being the trained scribe and the generous host? What needs to change in your life? What needs to go? What, needs to, what in your schedule needs to be rearranged? What in your finances need to be more invested in the kingdom? The stakes are so high. It's, it's worth so much. And this is the aim for every kingdom citizen. And then lastly, and we just want to end here, we extend the kingdom's offer to you to join his eternal kingdom. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're sort of on the outside looking in on this thing. You, the door is wide open. You can come in. The offer on the table is this, that Jesus has come to fix what's wrong with the world, to fix what's wrong with you. There is a holy creator God in heaven who has every right to destroy this world for turning against him, and yet he doesn't. He put in forth a plan from eternity past to come and redeem and restore and forgive and pardon and extend grace and mercy eternally to all who would look to Jesus, the God-man, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for sin, who rose again and is indeed the Savior of the world. And if we'll just bow the knee to him, if we'll literally just, hey, do you understand these things and say yes, just trust in him. Yes, we get it, we want it, we treasure it. And if you want it, you can have it. And you just simply do that before him. I'm here to help you. Our friends here are here to help you. But there is an invitation to be part of the kingdom, to be a part of this great work that's going around the world, to be kingdom scribes, to be great generous hosts, and to be a part of a mission where God is saving the world from sin. He is saving people for eternity. He's putting them back together, and we get to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. God, help us to get uh, a right understanding that these parables have shown us now, this last one has shown us in particular, 
that we are to be a word-speaking, word-sending people. And God, we thank you that these parables show us the how, that we're supposed to do it with great confidence, not getting knocked off, um, off, uh, off our mission when it is small, when it looks like it's not working. So God, I thank you that the what is clear, the spreading of your word, the how is clear with great confidence and calm, knowing that it's going to work in ways that, don't, that, are, that are upside down, that are going to look different than any other kingdom. So God, I pray that these parables will and have trained us to be effective scribes and generous hosts. And God, I pray if there's anyone in here who's not yet bowed the knee to King Jesus and been brought into this mission, have been restored in their relationship to God, I pray that maybe right now this would be the time that you would give them the words to say, you would give them the things uh, that you would awaken their hearts to your truth and that they would see Christ as the treasure in the field worth giving everything for. God, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for this opportunity to be a part of your kingdom and to be ambassadors, agents, messengers of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.